When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. Hey everybody, this is uh, a new series for Crypto Real Vision on all things music and Web3. Uh, today we have Sherry Hu from Water and Music. Uh, some of you might know uh, Water and Music as the kind of premier research in uh, music research DAO, uh, but Sherry has a long history in music and blockchain and now crypto and now Web3. I'm very, very excited to talk to Sherry about that today. Hi, Sherry. Hey, hey, Jack. Honored to be here as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on. Let's, let's talk about your history because I think it's fascinating how you've gone from music journalist to DAO operator. I think the title that you you proudly, you know, have on your Twitter is Chief DAO Boy, if that's still there. Yes, um, still there. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that being said, um, I've I've known of you seven years now as a music tech journalist uh, covering crypto. Um, so very exciting evolution. But tell me about your starts with music and crypto uh, through journalism. Yeah, so I guess my beat as a writer um, since 2015 when I first started has always been uh, focused on music and tech. And I have always been, like, covered anything as much as I could under that umbrella. So a lot of like bigger music streaming services like Spotify um, and Apple Music, but also like music startups um, was super interested in following like what uh, problems or opportunities that uh, founders were interested in working with and like working with artists to help solve for them. Um, and around 2015, I think that was that was the first year that I learned about blockchain as a concept. I think that was the first year a lot of people were first introduced to the idea of blockchain or crypto. And at that time, um, at least in the music industry, there was a lot of, uh, I think there wasn't any other technology where the vision that people had for what it could do was so um, clear, but especially from, uh, I guess, the specific use case of like rights management or data management. It also was the most like politically fraught like discussion that I was following as a journalist. Like a lot of like not actually tech related problems, but like problems of like trying to convince like these big corporations to share data with each other, for example. Like that is like obviously an uphill battle. So a lot of the music blockchain discussion back then focused on yeah, those specific B2B use cases and like really um kind of influenced how I covered that technology and other kinds of emerging tech in the music industry, realizing it was a mix of like not just really cutting edge technology, but also like understanding um, like incentives of just various stakeholders in the industry to um, invest in new tech. So uh, yeah, and I've, I've tried to cover blockchain and crypto as much as I could um, since then. Um, and I, so at that time in 2015, I was freelancing for um, a few different publications, including Forbes and Billboard. And then in 2019, decided to launch my own paid newsletter and membership called Water and Music, um, dedicated to 
not just covering music and tech, but uh, covering it from a very like analytical and trend driven perspective, as opposed to like just covering news or just reporting on information um, as it came. And uh, yeah, a couple of years later, thankfully, I'm uh, working on it full time, building a whole like community and team around it. Um, and also, of course, building a DAO around these much more collaborative research efforts. Fascinating. So the way the way just to play that back is you music tech journalist, independent of any technology, ultimately, as fate would have it, pursue using technology to create your own publication or community around a publication, if you will, and inevitably became a DAO yourself. Yes. Fate would have it. So let's go back to 2015, because I think there's a history here that is fascinating. And you would think seven years later, the industry was, you know, trying to coordinate using this technology to resolve issues around rights information, uh, licensing solutions, et cetera, supply chain distribution. Um, where are we at? What happened? I mean, was that that was the first wave of crypto and blockchain and music? Uh, what was your perspective on that era? How would you frame that? In terms of like the earlier era of music and blockchain, definitely like yeah, a lot of excitement around and like very clear visions around where the industry could go, um, but that there just being such a huge gap. Um, and in many cases, like lack of education, especially um, in like the tech side of things with how the music industry traditionally has worked, um, the way that like, the way that these like bigger companies, people working at these companies think, like how they think of success, what their incentives or like fears are that actually like definitely kept me motivated to continue like writing about music and tech. And was just like a theme that I saw quite a bit was, um, you know, startup founders over here, music industry people over here, they're not really being a bridge or like a translator to kind of understand like how they could collaborate better as opposed to being solely like combative. So um, yeah, like either combative or also just because the like rights management licensing use case for music and blockchain was so vast. It also just being like very slow by nature. So like the, um, I think a lot of the vision that people had for like a decentralized rights uh, database, like rights management system, even seven years later, um, I don't think has really come to fruition. There are a lot of these like smaller experiments um, involving different, you know, music rights holders or music catalogs, but it really has not um, scaled or like aggregated to the point where it could actually be useful and like, I think really disrupt the industry. Um, what is super different um, about the more recent wave of not just hype, but also like real activity and money flowing in music and Web3 is that the conversation is totally different. Um, if anything, the most vocal like proponents and the most active people in music and Web3, a lot of them um, like don't care about copyright that much. Like they're not that interested in like dealing with uh, kind of the traditional music industry much more interested on like the artist level in connecting directly with fans, um, monetizing that relationship directly, not having to go through like intermediaries, not having to get um, like permission, you know, from all these different people or jump through all these hoops just to like earn income for people who want to support them. So the, the discussion is, at least from my view, happening at a much more like individual um, 
level in terms of like who is acting and like how they can make impact in their media careers as opposed to try to start from like a huge like try to start from the top down like how do we get all of these incumbent players to cooperate on this emerging tech um so yeah and of course like that discussion is happening but i don't think that's uh like the kind of b2b like incumbent side of things i don't think that side is leading the conversation it's kind of like catching up to um the very artist-led conversations that are leading the way i think currently your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know, this reminds me of a tweet that you put out, I think, in the past week or so. But And I want to talk about music NFTs really quickly, or, or <laughs> let's see how quickly we can talk <laughs> about them. But I love the point that it, it's these net new experiences. These aren't the legacy blockchain solutions for the legacy or incumbent supply chain of the music industry, but rather innovation is happening at the edges and there's new experiences being created. So when I think about an NFT, I think about it as a digital representation of an asset that sits on a blockchain, such as uh, JPEGs. Um, they've had a very, you know, kind of prolific takeoff with NFTs, you know, images, visual, digital art, um, that being said, music NFTs are a little bit more ambiguous by nature. There's various types of them. There are collections. There are one of ones um, because there's the song, and song has this you know very very long standing historical uh, dominance in a copyright setting, unlike a lot of digital visual art. That being said, music NFTs do sometimes represent the actual copyright or music asset. Sometimes they do not. But the tweet that you put out is that it almost has nothing to do with the song itself while it is an NFT of the song, whether it's copyright or not, but rather a relationship between the artist and the fan. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I'm glad that you saw that. Um, I think when I first wrote that tweet, it was just inspired by what I was seeing, or in this case, what I was not seeing in the music web free landscape, which was a lot of conversation about the music itself, like what kind of, um, you know, like now that, you know, web three is becoming, uh, being adopted by a wider group of artists and creators, like how is that changing the kind of music they're making? Um, how is that encouraging them to maybe like go against the grain, whereas, in previous systems, they would like be pressured to conform to certain aesthetic or something. I, I guess more like personally, I'm very um, excited by I guess those kinds of questions. Um, but in like following a bunch of collectors of music NFTs, um, or just like supporters of like more web related artists, uh, in terms of like the value that people um, got in owning the NFT and like the conversations that resulted. Um, a lot of them also just like the long-term benefits of these um, NFTs um, are not, yeah, not about listening to the music. It's about getting access to a community, getting access to whether it's a Discord server or some other kind of token-gated community where you can connect with either the artist directly and or like other collectors or fans and just like, I guess, kickstart that discussion and those relationships. The 
the relationships and the access were just driving so much more of the discussion and activity that I was that I have seen in music and web three as opposed to um like talking about genre. So for example, there's um um longtime music tech uh like veteran slash engineer um Anthony Bolokin, who um I believe you know as well, who's like building this like streaming slash discovery layer on top of music NFTs called Future Tape. And I think he recently integrated with some very web to like music tagging API to be able to um uh to be able to like filter songs by genre just like based on how I guess how this API like categorized it. And even even seeing that like oh across all these different music NFT platforms it's like mostly electronic music, mostly hip hop artists. And there were like in terms of artists who had minted um NFTs and like certain genres that are otherwise very popular, like rock or country, they're just like not part of the picture at all. And like it's just uh and seeing that like visualized in that way um made me realize how little people were talking about that. Like the actual music that artists were releasing. That a lot of it was more about yeah, you know, like the access um and the relationships. And I I think also because the UX is still kind of clunking around like crypto wallets or NFTs, um, it actually like it takes a lot of clicks to listen to the song for an NFT that you own. Like, uh, hopefully, I guess this will be, become easier, but like just like clicking your wallet and trying to like click through and like get the audio file to play. It's like not the smoothest experience. So people aren't doing that anyway. It's more like kind of a wider community or branding benefit. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.